Hello, welcome back to Vanessa Films. This is episode 24. Yeah, I think this is episode 24. Um, I'm your host, Vanessa. This is just the podcast where we discuss film and TV news. Um, I'm like listening to my voice right now and I'm like, something sounds off. And that's probably just because I'm extremely tired and sort of, well, I didn't just wake up. Like, I'm yawning already. Um, it's just that I haven't really spoken a lot this morning, so my voice sounds the way it does. But anyways, um, yeah, I thought I'd try something new. Uh, we'll do, like, the opening, like, question portion, but I, I think I want to start out by just mentioning a couple of films that I've watched recently. So, I'll start out, I'll, um, I guess I will, I'll, I'll start out with November 30th. Um, just because, yeah, just because, um, so I, I'll start out with the last, like, three films that I watch. So I watched The Adults, um, this is a film starring Hannah Gross, Michael Sarah, and Sophia Lewis. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. It's probably not, but, um, yeah, anyways, so they're, like, the three main leads, and yeah, it was playing at tiff bell light box so i thought i would just check it out and then it turns out that um i i got the ticket because it was free and then i think it it later was revealed that hannah gross was gonna be at the screening i i yawned at the end of that sentence sorry but anyways um yeah so she did like a intro she sort of intro the film i guess and then like did a q a and i mean there were really a lot of, like, charming elements of the film, but a lot of the film was very annoying. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought, if you watch a film, I think it's, like, streaming on Prime, like, um, a lot of it is very relentless. The whole, like, the point of the film is how these, like, three adults have really like not come to terms with the fact that their mothers died and they haven't necessarily moved on from it or like grieved it properly so um you know like their brother comes back to the town the two sisters town and um i i guess it's it's sort of like they they're adults but like they're still stuck in this like childhood because of the fact that their mother passed away a couple of years ago and so um yeah, I guess they haven't really, like, moved on from that, so they, they continuously throughout the movie, they put on these, like, performances that they did when they were children, they use these voices that they created as kids, and, and yeah, like, stuff like that, like, they would, um, they, they would do, like, dances, performances, and then they would, put they they each had like a character or whatever that they created and then they would like utilize that in conversation or whenever they would argue they would use that or if they were trying to cheer one another up they would use the voices and it was just like so relentless it was just like never ending and I, I don't know I think there were a lot of charming elements as mentioned um I I there were there's like a dance sequence sort of at the end where all three of the siblings dance together and that was well choreographed etc and I thought that was really that was like a charming element of the film but I feel like it happened so often with the voices that I became really annoyed by it and um some of the voices were funny and like it it, it, it was there was like an element of 
humor to it that I enjoyed. But overall, I, yeah, I just think like the voices was so relentless to the point of it being annoying. And like, I, I don't, I'm never one to be like, oh, but that's the point. It's like, I don't necessarily care if that's the point. Like I still found it annoying to the point of, you know, taking out or like taking away from my viewing experience. But nonetheless, like I'm glad that I got to sit in on the Q&A portion of the of the screening whatever and like Hannah Gross is there I'm a huge fan of Mindhunter Mindhunter is probably like one of my favorite shows so it was just cool that she was there um and <laughs> there, I was sitting right beside someone who literally got up and left halfway through the movie and I'm never one to do that like I don't no matter how much I hate a movie I will never walk away from it or like walk out of the theater but I totally respect that person's decision because yeah let, let's just say that like I I understand um it was it was a it was sort of like a slow like a lot of people are calling it mumblecore I don't necessarily know if it is a mumblecore film but like it is very like slow regarding like the tension that is being built and I don't know I found it kind of annoying um I I it was like boring and annoying at the same time which is like a lethal combination and so yeah that's what I watched on November 30th didn't watch anything on the first and then on the second I of course watched May December I knew I had to check it out like the weekend that it dropped it's just I I wrote quite a lengthy letterbox review and like you can check that out if you follow me on letterbox at Venice on films obviously um but it just I don't know I'm like really grateful that I I'm able to like live in a world where two of the greatest actors are like leading a film together and they're kind of just like squaring off throughout this um this film and there's like so many good scenes with just Portman and Julianne Moore like together and like the tension between the two characters is kind of crazy and I'm really I'm really impressed by the way this story is able to get across that um I don't know. I, I don't want to like necessarily say too much about the film because it's one of those films that I feel like you have to sit with it a while and you have to like let it sink in. And uh, there's a lot of like annoying conversations right now regarding the film, regar um, specifically regarding like the camp label that is being like a attached to it. And I understand like it is a film that deals with a very heavy subject matter. But that doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that it is still camp. Like, there are elements in the film that are just, like, so camp. And and I think, like, the score kind of plays into that. I understand that it is a melodrama, so everything is sort of exaggerated. But there are elements of camp throughout. And, um, I mean, you don't have to, like, agree with that label, but I still think it is. Um, I think Charles Moulton was really great and I'm, I'm hoping, I don't know, he's been winning a lot of awards recently. Um, and I'll actually speak about that later. So I hope that he can continue that throughout the award season. Um, Natalie Portman gives like one of her most unhinged performances. It's, she's so vile in the film. Like it's just awful to watch and to see her character kind of like exploit these people in a way. Um, it's, it's just, 
I don't even mean like the specific person that she's playing in the film. I'm talking about like as an actor, how like you can tell she is like ready to exploit whoever she needs to in order to get the job done. And it's just, it's crazy. Um, it's sitting, I think, at like number four right now in my top 10 list of 2023. And that's all, all I will say. I'm going to be, I'm actually currently writing an essay about it. Um, that I'm going to be like trying to submit places. Uh, it's going to focus on a couple of films just because I've noticed like, uh, um, I've noticed like a theme or I guess like a subject matter that is prominent in a couple of my favorite films this year. So I'm going to be talking about that. And I hope that this essay will find a home somewhere. And yeah, and then um, I will say that on December 3rd, I ended up watching the Dungeon the Dungeons and Dragons film uh, Honor Among Thieves that was just released yeah this year a couple of months ago I was gonna I was planning to watch it in theaters but then I kind of got like sick around the time that it was out so then I like missed it um but I've heard good things about it I mean I don't know like it's not I had fun, I guess. <laughs> I'm like thinking, I'm like, what should I say? I had fun, but I think one of the standouts for me is the direction. Um, but like everything else, it's just like, isn't my type of film. But yeah, I mean, you should check it out either way. Cause I, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I think it is a fun film and yeah, if that's your type of thing, if you're into like the game, you should watch it. I mean, I feel like if you are into the game, you probably have already, but either way. So those are the last three that I watched. I'm going to get into the opening question of this episode. So yeah, I think this is episode 24. It is. I don't know why I said I think. But I mean, like, I... I'm just, like, really annoyed by the state of, like, the film industry right now. And I've said this a million times on this podcast. I find a lot of it really annoying. And regarding, like, the creativity aspect, you know, there's, like, sequels, franchises, etc. So my question that I want to start with is like why is everything so annoying within like the creati creativity aspect of Hollywood and what I mean by that is like original ideas rarely get produced um it's often people are often turning towards um franchises sequels IP and I'm I'm fine with that if I, I'm fine with that to a certain extent like I think it's important that we just if we are making these movies and like these shows to make sure that they are done well and successfully and made by filmmakers and people working on the sets that actually care about the project but like I think it's also really scary to know that this is kind of the stuff that people will turn to and watch instead of like watching original shit it's just really annoying but anyways um I don't think I want to say anything else regarding that, except that it does lead into my first piece of news. And I guess I will like talk about that a little bit more regarding the question that I opened with. So Will Smith, I think he was like doing an interview recently and he confirmed that I Am Legend 2 is in the works. He said that he's going to like talk to, you know, like Michael B. Jordan about it because Michael B. Jordan is also starring in the film. And he said that he said that the script, oops, Sorry, I think I just, like, rolled my pen past the mic. Anyways, um, he said that the script came in and, you know, it should be done, the script, and they're gonna go 
with the DVD version of the film where his character survives. And I feel like everyone has seen... I feel like most, if not all, people have, like, watched I Am Legend because it's always on TV every other weekend. And they've seen the version that we are supposed to see because alternate endings are so annoying. Like, I just don't get it. But anyways, on the DVD version, his character lives. And then on the version that, like, theatrically, theatrically released and it was on TV, etc., you know what happens. But, like, I don't know. I do find this, like, overall annoying. Like, in my notes, I literally just wrote GROW UP with an exclamation point after it in all caps because, like, what, what do you mean I Am Legend is getting a sequel? I understand that, again, the DVD version, his character lives, but it's just, like, I can't think of a more annoying thing than utilizing this, like, alternate ending and be like, okay, well, we're going with it now. It kind of... <laughs> I mean, I don't know, it sort of reminds me of, like, how Will and Grace, like, retconned th the ending of, like, the original series to do the sort of continuation. They're like, okay, yeah, that last episode didn't happen, which, I don't know, I'm a little bit more forgiving regarding that, just because it is a comedy show. But with this, it's like, I feel like everyone is, like, used to the version that we've seen on TV or, like, in theaters. And so this is just really annoying. And I'm not necessarily one to be like, oh, it's necessary or it's unnecessary. I just don't think that we should have continued this story because, again, I think it is confusing for people who haven't seen this, but it's also like we should let things exist as they do as like solo entities and we don't need the franchise or like create... We don't necessarily need to, like, create spinoffs for everything and, like, sequels. And I think it's kind of, like, dangerous that, like, again, original ideas are, like, not necessarily given the light of day. And this is the reason why, because, like, sequels are being greenlit faster than other types of ideas. But anyways, I'm Legend 2, officially in the works. Script is done. Um, the script is being sent out. And, Yeah. Next up, we got character posters. So, new character posters for Dune Part 2. This is, of course, the highly anticipated sequel to the first Dune, directed by Denis Villeneuve. This is also directed by Denis, and thank God for that. But anyways, so yeah, we got uh, character posters for all the major characters, essentially. So, we got Lady Jessica, Paul Atreides, Chani, and Lady Margot, etc., etc., etc. So, we got, you know, Florence Pugh as her character, we got Zendaya, we got Timothy, we got Rebecca Ferguson, Timothy Chalamet, that is, Rebecca Ferguson, um, also Austin Butler. And these character posters are really pretty. I think they, you know, it, it's just like more promotion, more advertising. And um, I, I don't know, I think, I think it is, they're very simple posters, but they are effective and they are very pretty to look at. So it's just nice that I guess, like, the overall aesthetic of Doom is being placed into these posters. I'm really excited for this film. Uh, it comes out March 1st next year. So, it's in a couple of months, like, three, four-ish. Um, or, yeah, about three, I should say, because it is the first of March. And, you know, like, I am upset that we didn't get the film this year. But, again, 
I know that the strikes were necessary. I'm just saying, like, I think that it would have been a great film to have around this time of year. We would have had, you know, a lot of, like, large blockbusters this year. And I really do hope that, yeah, th this film is as successful, if not more, than the first. And I think it will be due to the new cast additions. Uh, the overall hype of the film and I'm hoping that for this one Denis Villeneuve gets a little bit more love from awards ceremonies and stuff like that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that he doesn't necessarily care to a certain extent but I think it would still be nice for him to get that recognition for his direction and for his vision with this film. And so anyway we got new character posters for Doom Part 2. It's in theaters March 1st. Diva down. Diva down. Wait, I kind of want to make... I kind of want to make the title Diva down. Okay, we might... We, <laughs> we might make it Diva down. Anyways, um, so if you're into politics or you just watch the news, you probably heard that George Sandoz, the congressman, has been expelled from Congress. And so a new movie about him is being made at HBO Films, so it's in the works, and yeah, so it's being essentially, like, worked on by Frank Rich, who, if you're unfamiliar with him, he was an EP on Veep. Veep is probably my favorite comedy of all time. I think that it's, like, it, it has, like, so many moments when I'm just, like, this this doesn't feel like a comedy show. This is probably how shit is in real life. But anyways, um, yeah, one of my favorite shows. Everyone on that show is just, like, acting their ass off. And I just overall really, really love that show. And I think he is the perfect person to work on this film um, just because of the overall craziness that this story I don't even want yeah like this story um has or like is assigned to it just because you know George Angels he's he's um he's infamous for lying and pretty much never telling the truth so I do think that a movie about him worked on by someone like Frank Rich or someone who has this comedic um history regarding the stuff that he's produced I think is really great there's that balance of politics comedy satire that I do think needs to be brought to this film for obvious reasons but I think specifically the satire of it all is really what's going to make this film great so anyways we're gonna get a new movie about George Santos I'm so super excited for it um, I think overall, I'm also excited to see who they're going to cast as George Santos because this person needs to be really great at lying. And of course, that's sort of what acting is, but there's there's layers here. And I'm really hoping that they can really hold on to that comedic aspect of the film or not the film, sorry, in the film and with the story. Next up, we're going to be talking about a film that, I mean, I'm excited for, but I also have a little bit of mixed feelings about it due to the fact that I think a prequel for this character is a great idea, but at the same time, I really, really wish that the actor who first portrayed this character got her own solo film 
and got the time to act in the film, you know, that she would be leading. But anyways, let's talk a little bit about George Miller's Furiosa. So it's titled Furiosa, Mad Max Saga, and it's eyeing a world premiere at Cannes Film Festival. It's going to be in theaters next year, May. So during May, we got the first trailer for it. There's a convention happening in Brazil, and so a lot of large blockbusters are bring, being brought there. Uh, the cast is there, and yeah, so they're just going to be like, you know, talking about the film and the films that they're in, and there's a lot of trailers, poster drops, etc. The Dune cast was there as well. So it actually just ended uh, the other day. It's essentially Comic-Con, but in Brazil. And, you know, Brazil fans are very devoted. And so I think it is cool that these, like, casts and these, like, for these films, whatever, regardless of the genre on these shows, like House of the Dragon, the they were doing promo there as well. And so it, it's just cool that, like, Brazilian fans get this opportunity as well because they are very devoted and very loyal to the films and actors that they love. And so I'm really, really excited about Furiosa and it was cool seeing the announcement because the first trailer dropped at the convention. So again, it's starring Anya Taylor-Joy and Chris Hemsworth and Furiosa, if you're unfamiliar, you probably are not unfamiliar, you probably know who she is, but yeah, so we kind of like first meet her in Mad Max Fury Road because she's turned against a Morton Joe and he's she's trying to save Joe's concubines or you know like his the five wives and he's trying to save she she's trying she's trying to save them from him and I think what's interesting about this character is that again like Charlie's Charlie's performance was really great and it was such a great modern contemporary character that everyone knows and everyone is familiar with and everyone really loves and so I think she is a really beloved character and yeah I think her storyline was so powerful and the film overall is really powerful and Mad Max Fury Road considered one of the best action films of all time but in this film, it's going to be a prequel, so Anya Taylor-Joy is taking over the role of Furiosa for this film, at least. And so, I'm going to read the official premise or synopsis, or I think I've, like, shortened it a little, but it's basically happening as the world falls. Uh, Furiosa is snatched from the green place of many mothers, and then she's brought into the hands of a biker horde led by the warlord Dementis. Um, then these two tyrants, um, are, you know, in a war for dominance over the citadel. Yeah, so here Furiosa, it's just about her surviving the trials that she goes through and she has to plot her way back home through the wasteland because she was taken. And so, I don't know, I think, I think Anya's like a really, really, where's my pen? There it is. A really great choice for this role. But again, I just, it's going to be hard for them to top Mad Max Fury Road just because it is considered one of the best action films of all time. Um, there's just so much of it that worked and the direction, the 
cinematography, the landscape of it were so great. And I really hope that they can bring those elements to Furiosa. And it's, yeah, those are definitely like things that people remember from Fury Road. And so I'm, I'm hoping that this can excel in those places as well. I think Anya, again, great choice. But I also wish that Charlize Theron kind of like had her own solo film. And instead of doing a prequel, they would have done either a sequel or something with Charlize in the role again. Just because she made that character what it is. And without her, she wouldn't be as loved and well-known. And so I just don't know. Like, I think, I think like Charlize is like one of the best action stars that we have. Um... And I really want her to be in more action films. And so I think that, you know, like if it was a sequel, it would have been a great opportunity for her to do just that. But, you know, maybe eventually in the future, we will see her in this role again. But either way, again, Furiosa, it's eyeing a world premiere at Cannes. It's in theaters next year during May. And we got the first trailer and I really, really enjoyed the trailer. I think it looks fun and it does feel reminiscent of Theory Road. That's what I like. Um, and I, I, I'm just super excited to see the response to this film, and I hope that I enjoy it, and the people that love Fury Road can have something to look forward to regarding this. Let's move on to some news about Yorgos Lanthimos' next film. It's called And, or let me rephrase that. It was called And, and it's been renamed Kind of Kindness. It features an ensemble cast, as usual with Yorgos. So this includes Emma Stone, his frequent collaborator, Jesse Plemons, Willem Dafoe, who I guess is also becoming a frequent collaborator, Margaret Qualley as well, Joe Allen, also frequent collaborator, Hunter Schaefer, who thank god i had a tweet in my drafts i was like hunter schaefer needs to be in her auteur bag asap or something like that i think it's probably still in my drafts and maybe i should tweet it but it's like i think she has such a i think she's like so good to the point of like i think she would like excel in these kinds of like auteur spaces um and i i hope that with this film she can kind of do that more anyways continuing on with the ensemble cast we got hong chow and then mamudu Athi. I think it, this is a film that is being described as an anthology. I'm not 100% certain if that is the case, but I've heard it being described as an anthology. Anyways, um, <laughs> Yorgos, Yorgos has like a lot of... I don't even know what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that, like, I think it's really cool that a lot of people are continuing to work with Yorgos just because there are certain people that have a specific kind of comedy that really excel when they are working with someone who also has that sort of specific comedy. And I think, like, Emma Stone is one of those. I I think I... I don't know. Like, I, I do think that with with someone like Emma Stone, she has this, this really, like, weird comedic ability that I don't necessarily know if, like, other directors would be willing to make her show off, and so I think it's really, really cool, and I, I think overall I just wanted to talk about this film because it has been renamed 
it was called and so andy just the word and and now it's been renamed to kind of kindness i don't even know what this is about like i think a lot of the details are being kept under wraps at the time but nonetheless i'm super super excited that hong chow is in this film and under schaefer i think i think like hong chow specifically just because last year she had such an incredible year um and this year she was in the Wes Anderson film Asteroid City and so she she's always been like a really well like pretty well known like amongst those who love film and television and people have spoken about her highly but this last these last like two years she's just like gained such a huge following and like support system from people in film and yeah and I think a lot of directors really do want to work with her and again like hunter schaefer being in something like this is so cool i don't necessarily know the capacity that she'll be in i don't really know the capacity any of these people with will be in because of the fact that i don't know a lot about the film and it is being described as an anthology by a lot of people so i'm excited to see the structure of the film and also I, I guess I also wanted to mention this just because Poor Things is, well, it's having a limited release on the 8th, so this weekend. So if you are able to, you should go watch that, obviously, but it is having a wider release on the 22nd. So I think just check it out whenever you can, whenever it's playing near you. And so I think I just am really excited to watch whatever Lanthimos Mills creates next. There's also rumors that he was attached to the adaptation of My Year of Rest in Relaxation. Emma Stone was also attached to Star at one point. I don't necessarily think that's happening. Otessa Moshweg said that it is happening. The adaptation is officially like in the works. But I don't think Yorgos is going to be attached to it anymore. I don't think Emma Stone is either. But either way... I just want to see an adaptation of that movie because I think it would be, first of all, I think the discourse around it would be awful to the point of like, I need it in my life. Um, and I don't know, I think someone like Yorgos would have done a really good job at adapting this, this, this kind of story with this kind of outlook on life. It would have been really great in his hands, but nonetheless, I don't think, I don't think that's happening. But I trust Otessa with who she is going to choose to, you know, work on the adaptation of this, like, highly successful novel that everyone seems to have an opinion on, and most of the opinions are wrong. But, uh, anyways, back to what I was speaking about, Yorgos Lanthimos, his next film, it has been retitled to Kind of Kindness. This might be a little bit of uh, some quick news, but Thanksgiving 2 is set to open theatrically in 2025, so not next year, but the year after that. Thanksgiving um, is a film by Eli Roth. It just came out a couple of weeks ago, and it's a slasher, and I, I've i heard pretty good things about it. I know it's very gory, of course it's a slasher, but I've heard, I've heard like that it is... Yeah, I've heard that although it is very gory, it's a pretty well-crafted film. Um, I think it has pretty great scores on most critic sites. Um, and so 
I think it's inevitable when you have a horror movie that comes out or like horror adjacent film that comes out in contemporary times if it makes enough money at the box office and it's kind of well received at least it is going to get yeah like it's going to get a sequel like smile is getting a sequel talk to me is getting a sequel and now thanksgiving is getting a sequel which i understand that it's like horror films are notorious for spawning franchises Again, regarding what I started this episode with, when does it end? Like, when do we stop and say that's enough? No more reboot sequels, etc. It's just... <sighs> Anyways, Thanksgiving 2 set to open theatrically in 2025. So, if you like the first one, I haven't watched it. I'm sure it's fine, but it's going to open in 2025, the sequel. Let's move on to some news that for it or just beside the news i wrote one word emmy with an exclamation point after it in all caps because i think that this is going to get this person who happens to be like one of my favorites um yeah i think it's gonna get her second emmy so <laughs> that's just me like talking out of my ass like i don't really know how her performance is gonna be but i just think that any i don't think she's ever given a bad performance like she she's always having fun <laughs> and she's always she's always having fun and she's always giving her everything like I will buy whatever she's selling and um so yeah anyway Michelle Williams she is set to star in and produce a limited series for FX it's called Dying for Sex and it follows a woman so this is gonna be her character diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer who leaves her husband of 15 years and after she leaves her husband she begins to explore her sexuality this, this reads like such, this is everything some people have ever wanted, you know? Like, this is, this is the series that we want to see her in. This is just, it's just such a great premise. I don't know, like, I think it's really cool. And I think that the fact that Michelle Williams is, like, starring in it and producing it it's going to add another layer to the performance she gives just because, uh, you know, there's she she's going to have like a lot of involvement in the series. And so for that, I'm really excited. Um, again, it's going to be on FX and I just I'm going to really be looking forward to this. I will hopefully like talk about it in future projects or like update um, on this or whatever i'm also excited to see the ensemble cast because again it is a limited series so i am definitely looking forward to seeing who is going to star alongside michelle williams in this in this series and with that i want to move on to some news about an award show or not an award show i should say it it's not really a show it's just a let's talk about award season shall we we got a couple of more pieces of news. It was a pretty busy week, actually, and I think it's only going to get more and more busy regarding, you know, like, holidays, and there's a lot of films coming out now. And, yeah, let's talk about the Critics Circle Awards. That is the New York Film Critics Circle Awards. A lot of major films, you know, being nominated winning. Um, and I think... I think a lot of these were going to be seen replicated at the big night. The big night being the Oscars. And so, 
yeah, let's get into some of the winners. So the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, Killers of the Flower Moon won Best Film. I think Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer are just going to be in a battle this entire season for Best Film at every award show, every award ceremony. And yeah, I think, I think, I think we're going to see this replicated a lot. I don't necessarily think that the acting categories are going to be replicated a lot. I think that might boast some more diversity regarding the wins. But for best film, I think it really is going to be between Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer. Or Poor Things. Poor Things Poor Things might find its way in there eventually. I unfortunately haven't been able to see it. I haven't been blessed with that opportunity yet. But when I do, I know that I'm going to love it. Like, it's just one of those films that, like, I look at it and I'm like, this is such a gorgeous film. The performances are giving in the trailer. And so I know it's really, like, odd to just judge a film based on a trailer. But I think it's just, it's just something that I'm going to enjoy. And so continuing on, Christopher Nolan won Best Director easily i think he will sweep this category i don't i'm not really good at at you know um how do i say this i'm not really good at like uh predicting anything regarding awards but i will say that i do think christopher nolan kind of has this on lock for like all the award ceremonies for best actress we got lily gladstone which i will be the first person to admit it's not i'm not the first person to admit lily gladstone had a supporting role in Killers of the Flower Moon. Like, I'm sorry to say, her performance was a... Wait. Yeah, her performance... I'm like, wait. Her performance was a supporting role. At first, I was, like, looking at my notes. I'm like, wait, I read that wrong. No, no, I read it right. Um, I... I don't know. Like, I, I don't... Category fraud is such a dumb thing, but at the same time, like, I understand. She was really emphasized in the campaign of it all as a lead actress and like during promotion she was the part of like the trio um that was De Niro, DiCaprio, and Lily Gladstone so I understand why they are putting her in the actress category but I don't I don't know like maybe I'm like thinking to myself I'm like I don't know if she would have a better chance at winning if she was a supporting actress, I have no idea. But anyways, Lily Gladstone won Best Actress. And Franz Rogowski won Best Actor for Passages. A film that I haven't watched yet, but I know I have to get to it eventually. I'm really excited to watch it. And I've heard really good things about his performance. So again, Franz Rogowski, Best Actor. Anatomy of a Fall won for Best International Film, which... <sighs> just it's such an embarrassment on behalf of like France not sending it in as their nomination for best picture or like best international film so not best picture sorry for best inter um international feature at the Oscars uh they chose a different film which I guess sure but it's it's just Anatomy of a Fall has been winning so many awards it is the film like a lot of people have seen this film and I'm not necessarily equating like popularity to like quality but it is a well-made film and it just they would have had such a better they they just would have had such a 
better time at the award season or yeah the with award season this year if they actually utilize anatomy of a fall um but anyways the one best international film i guess that made france feel really stupid anyways um may december one for best screenplay which honestly now have seen having seen it i get it like i get it <laughs> Divine Joy Randolph won for Best Supporting Actress. Her performance in The Holdovers is getting a lot of buzz right now. I haven't seen The Holdovers either. There's just like so many good films in theaters right now that I have to check out. I'm probably going to go check it out this week, sometime this week. And uh, maybe I'll update you guys about my thoughts regarding The Holdovers. But she won for Best Supporting Actress and I've heard a lot of people are saying that she's going to win the Oscar. And similarly, Charles Melton won for Best Supporting Actor for May-December, and a lot of people are saying that he is really becoming the frontrunner right now in that category. Um, I don't know. I think, I, I think again, the acting categories are all a little, like, are always a little iffy. That You never really know who's going to win, um, except for, like, 2019. That was just, like, the worst year when it came to, like, acting categories, because it was just, like, the same people over and over again. Anyways, let's move on uh, to cinematography. Oppenheimer won that. Kind of think that's also going to be a standout this season. And Past Lives won for Best First Film. So Celine Song's Past Lives, which... Real, true. Uh, it's still one of my favorites. I think it's like third on my top ten list. And then The Boy and the Heron wins Best Animated Film. I don't know why I paused after that. I think I was thinking, because I, yeah. So, The Boy and the Heron, it, it has already been in theaters, like, in Japan. But it's also in theaters this weekend in North America. So, again, check that out if you're, like, interested in it. I know a lot of people love Ghibli films, so you should probably go watch it. And I'm, I'm probably going to go see it as well. I'm not, like, the biggest Ghibli fan. I love Princess Mononoke, but, like, this one is also very interesting. Heard really good things about it. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't necessarily know if I'm like fully excited for it, but I do want to check it out. And it's in theaters this weekend. And it won best animated film. So you should probably check it out. I don't, I don't necessarily know if it was nominated, but I've heard really good things about The Peasants, which is like the painted animated film. Um, I don't know if it's going to have like a release anytime soon but I do hope it does because I love that kind of animation style and I really do think um I liked loving Vincent but I do think I've seen like pictures and like stills or whatever of the peasants and I'm just really fascinated by it so I hope that it can be released in theaters around me soon that's enough of that regarding you know the New York critics awards um i guess i'll start out by saying that we got some casting news so maria bakalova she is set to play ivana trump in a new film alongside sebastian stan who is playing donald trump jeremy strong is also set to play roy Cohn in the film this film is going to be either titled the student or the apprentice i've heard two i'm not exactly sure I'm not exactly sure, like, what it's being titled right now, um, but either way, it's going to be helmed by Iranian filmmaker Ali Abbasi. He's known for Holy Spider. He also did Border. Yeah, he did Border. 
that's a pretty prominent film as well. Um, he directed some episodes of The Last of Us. And so I'm excited to see how he he essentially goes about bringing this, this, yeah, this like story to the screen. And I, I don't know. I think, I, 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 I think this is just going to like follow. I don't know if it's going to follow like when Yvonne and like Donald first met, but either way, just like seeing this cast and how they're going to interact with one another and coupling that with Ali Abbasi's like direction. I don't know. There's like something to be said there. Okay, I lied. I think it's officially being titled The Student, um, but who knows? I think it was just earlier tit uh, titled earlier The Apprentice. So anyways, um, I'm I'm always glad when Marie Bakla was employed. Um, and I really loved her. Her performance of Bodies, 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 I think is just really telling of her talent. Like, she has an Oscar nomination. So, you know, uh, either way, uh, excited for this film and to see the ensemble, what they bring to the story. Last piece of news. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess there's... I feel like I've spoken about this this show previously in this manner just because I feel like it the incessant like spin-offs and sequels etc are kind of annoying and like I feel like they juxtapose what the show is trying to say um but anyways the boys is officially or at least there's a spin-off and it works and it's going to be titled the boys Mexico so it's going to be taking place in Mexico so Diego Luna and Gael Garcia Bernal are set to executive produce and maybe have minor roles in the spin-off or series, whatever you want to call it. I again, like I don't know. Like I, I, I do think having these like two really great actors attached to the project is helpful in a way, and like at least there's that, you know, like there's that aspect of it. But at the same time, like, are we really going to just ignore the fact that The Boys is making fun of exactly this, this, like, endless sequel and spinoff and, like, just, like, the state of that type of media. But also, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say. But anyways, yeah, it's in the works. I think the Blue Beetle writer, uh, Gareth Dunnett, Dun Dun I think that's how you pronounce it, Okose, um, a coaster, something like that. I don't, I don't know. This news kind of just like pissed me off. But anyways, the sequel is in the works and it's being written by the Blue Beetle writer. Um, so yeah, that that's enough of the news. Let's move on to the ending. I, I guess like, um, yeah. So never mind. <laughs> We're at the part of the episode where we discuss a show, a film, or whatever we want to discuss, something we want to shed light on, etc. And so for today's episode, I decided to talk about Sharp Objects, the miniseries from 2018. This is, of course, based on Gillian Flynn's, I think, is it Gillian? Gillian? Gillian Flynn's, Gillian Flynn's 2006 debut novel of the same name. And it's a psychological thriller 
This is a mini-series. It was on HBO, and it was created by Marty Nixon, and it was directed by Jean-Marc Vallée, who... It's so unfortunate that he's, like, no longer with us because he really did... He really did redefine television. I think I've spoken about this before, but, like, Big Little Lies and, like, this kind of drama, he really he really was like at the forefront of that regarding having these like huge movie stars come to television and you know uh work on miniseries and be assigned to like or like attached to hbo roles and he he, you know he was part of that and the series it stars amy adams patricia clarkson chris messina eliza scanlon who i've said this before i think is one of the best like working actors under 25 or 26 or however old she is uh she's like one of the best like 20 something actors let's say that um and then there's like also supporting roles from sophia lillis lulu wilson elizabeth perkins there's also a small Cindy sweeney role like she's in one episode and uh she plays basically camille um who is the lead character she plays the i guess like roommate or just someone she meets at the psych ward and um so yeah like i'm gonna get into like what the show is the show is about and the book's about but in the book her character doesn't really exist like there's a mention of her character but she doesn't necessarily have that like bond with camille that is shown in the the series which i thought was a really interesting thing to bring into this sort of story so yeah, it follows Camille Preaker, who is a troubled reporter. She returns to her hometown to cover the murder of two young girls. Obviously, you know, it's saying something that in this small town that they're never used to something, you know, like this, she would have to return um, to cover the story. And uh, I don't know, I don't want to say anything else because... It's not necessarily like an easy show or like book to to spoil, but the ending, I feel like if you go into this show blind, there's just there's so many like good subject matters that they look at that are really well portrayed in this, but I feel like if you go into this and watch the ending, your jaw will be on the floor. The the ending kind of like floats around Twitter, like the scene of the ending. Um and also like the ending from the series and the ending of the book slightly different um not entirely it's more of like a the 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 series and the series ends in the way the book does but the book like kind of like continues on with the ending so there's like more to it um and i think both of them just have really really great endings but i feel like what the series did with the ending is like one of the best like television series endings of all time um i think i think yeah like just what they were able to do with that and the way it ended was just so jarring and i think i already knew before i watched the show how it ended but either way like i was still i was still like completely gagged um but yeah one of the best endings of all time i really suggest it just because of how everything is like brought to light in that show and obviously, um, you know, Amy Adams, who plays Camille in this, in this, <laughs> in this show, hasn't really had, like, a good win recently regarding her filmography. Um, 
and a lot of people are saying that's because she <laughs> a lot of people like make jokes about how like she was like robbed for arrival and like she was robbed for sharp objects she, she was like i'm just gonna be in the worst movies ever made um which i don't necessarily think they're like the worst movies ever but they are not very good um she's great in them and what she brings to the films you know she brings what she can but it's just like we need we we like need her to be saved um and i think night bitch is going to be that film to bring her back to the amy that we know you know this sort of like powerhouse actor which i think she is in every project but she really does need a win and i really want her to be in a project that as a holistic uh, like a holistic project is very good it's not just like relying on her performance so anyway yeah sharp objects 2018 great 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 film and i'm i'm so glad that like I, I i've experienced it i wish i could watch it again for the first time but it's like never you know that'll never happen but i do want to rewatch it i think it's a film uh, sorry it's a series that i think has a lot of rewatch value just because of the the pacing and the tone of it it's just so well crafted and so sharp objects check it out all right i'm gonna try to make this quick but this is a film that i've been looking forward to for a really long time uh, it is in theaters this weekend, and I think you should check it out. So, Otessa Moshfeg's adaptation, or let me rephrase that. So, it's an, yeah, again, so <laughs> it's an adaptation of Otessa Moshfeg's novel, Eileen. I believe this is her, was this her debut novel? I think. I might be making that up. But anyways, um, it's set in the 1960s. Um, it's set in New England, and it follows Eileen, so the titular character, who works at a prison for young boys. And yeah, so she's sort of like a secretary. She helps out with like filing and stuff like that. And then at the prison, um, a new counselor arrives who is named Rebe Rebecca. I re believe Rebecca St. John, that's her name. She arrives and, you know, kind of gets her to open up more access you know like new parts of her personality i'm reading from the synopsis but yeah like gets her to open up live a little um kind of like i guess i guess um yeah like live a little and not necessarily worry about the problems in her life because she has a lot of them once you watch the movie and read the book you'll know that but um you know but again this rebecca character she is really captivate captivating she's good at her job but we kind of realize that like Rebecca is leading her and like drawing her into something darker and there's an event that pretty much takes place I don't want to say the last half of the book but there's like a good portion of the book where this like main event takes place and we realize that there is something dark to it and there's yeah that's kind of like the the dark event that has kind of been leading Rebecca to bring Eileen into her life and Eileen is such a great character and I'm really excited to see Thomas and Mackenzie's portrayal of Eileen. I'm really excited to see Anne Hathaway portray Rebecca, which I think she's a really great, really great actor for this role. And yeah, I'm excited for it. I think we should go support it. And it is like a smaller film and we should go check it out, support it wherever it's playing. And with that being said, I don't think I have anything else to say. I think the title is going to be Diva Down. I'm excited for Eileen, The Boy and Herons in theaters. Check out just check out something in theaters and um yeah i i'm really excited about like any lanthimos project that is upcoming and with that being said 
Bye.